Good morning, everyone. I, I guess I could wait another minute, but I just thought it'd be more fun to interrupt you. So. Yeah. You're sitting down? Yeah, that's right. You're already sitting down and ready to go, right? There you go. See? Um, do want to thank everybody for being here this morning. Appreciate your present presence. Uh, for our Bible study, we are in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, there are a few books in the back if you need them still. Um, we're going to look at question 6 in our workbook. Like I said, this is Matthew chapter 2, uh, specifically verses 13 through 18. Well, I'm going to start with 16 through 18. But uh, before we get started, if you will, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We're so thankful for all your blessings. We're thankful for each day you give us, Father, to grow and learn and to be more like our Lord. We know that you have given us this life here, Father, to, to teach us and to show us how to live and how to be and to grow to be more like you, our Father. We thank you for this opportunity, Father, to study your word and to learn more about what your will is for us. Please lead and guide us in this study, Father, and in our lives, and help us to use every day to further your will and your plan on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I did not start my slides. I'm sorry. I got the others still going. Okay, so this is where we were. We're looking at question six of uh, Matthew chapter two in the workbook. I'm going to read verses 16 through 18, Matthew chapter two. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now question six is, What prophecy did the slaughter of the innocents fulfill? The one we just mentioned, right? Jeremiah 31, 15, right? So, um, there, that prophecy. Jeremiah 31, 15. And we really just read this, right? Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. So this is another voice that, I mean, another verse or prophecy it has a, a layered meaning. Do you know what other event that this relates to? Jerusalem being sacked. Well, that's not what I had down, but I don't know. Was Is that part of it? I, I had a part of the Babylon exile that when they were taken off into exile that the mothers were weeping for the loss of their sons. Oh, no, she was talking about Jerusalem being sacked. 
So, so I'm just, I'm just, uh, I, I really did not see anything about Jerusalem being sacked. So I was just relating what, what I had read about this. So, but if you'll notice in verse 16, though, according to the time which Herod had determined from the wise men, so the wise men had accidentally alerted Herod, right? I mean, they told him when the star had appeared. Um, so they actually gave him information when Jesus was born, even though they did not return to him. He still had some idea. And then, of course, the scribes and all had told him that uh, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, right? So does Herod show, this is just kind of a odd question of my own, does Herod show belief in the coming Messiah? Yes. Yes. You think he does believe? Okay. I also want to say, you know, we know he was a wicked man. Right. But how can anyone <laughs> condemn little tiny children to be killed because he did not want to know the rules? Right. Well, that is why he did it, though. He, he condemned all those little little children to death because he did not want them to be a threat to his throne, right? His rule. Yes, man? I guess the other other side of that thought would be maybe the answer, the answer no, that he didn't have faith that the Messiah was coming or whatever. That he just wanted politically anything that was going to interfere with his rulership. No, we're not having that. We're going to kill whatever that is, babies or people or whatever. Right. I never thought of it that way, but that's, right. true. So that's probably there, the reason in his mind, the reason he did it. Well, there are two ways to think about it, and that's what I was thinking, too, is there's two ways to think about it. Maybe he had some belief in the prophecy. Maybe not. Maybe he was just afraid that the people believed in the prophecy, and like Matt is saying, this somebody's going to rise up and try to take my rulership from me, and I don't want that, so I'm going to kill as many people as I can to make sure that doesn't happen. That was, I mean, that's his thinking, okay? I'm not not saying that's a good thing or the way to think, but that's, yes. During this time, it seemed to be a custom to eliminate everyone. So if God said, go in and utterly destroy whatever nation, he meant everybody, or make sure you kill this king and all his descendants. There wasn't going to be anybody left in that line. So maybe Herod also had that mindset that just obliterate. Right. Well, Herod definitely had that mindset. Now, yeah, I know that God in the past had told them, like with the, the I, I may say the wrong thing, is it the Amalekites? They were supposed to just totally eliminate them, right? So there was that. I mean, that is a biblical example of someone that should have been totally eliminated. So Herod may have indeed had that same mindset about, I'll just eliminate as much as I can to get rid of this threat. Uh, but but he did do somewhat of a targeted thing. He only killed children within a certain age. He didn't just eliminate everybody in Bethlehem and the districts around there. Because you notice it does say the districts around Bethlehem. So wasn't really just right there. They're not sure how many babies were involved in this. It could have been 20 or more. They're not really sure. Or I say babies. I consider any child under two to basically be still a baby. Yeah, at best they're toddlers, right? If they're yeah. like one to two and they're kind of getting around. My little brother was a terror at that age, but that's beside the point. Um, so, let's see. So that that was my thinking on that, is that there's kind of two 
two ideas of thought here. He was he was desperate to get rid of any threat. There is also a thought that perhaps he believed in the prophecy, at least. I don't think he really totally believed in the Messiah, though he may have believed in that prophecy. I mean, here these wise men show up on your doorstep talking about it, and, you know, so. All right, so. Um, also, it's a, it's a thing to realize if we apply this to people even up through the centuries and through today that some people are so depraved that they're willing to kill and do whatever they have to to maintain power, right? And we, we definitely want to make sure we're not that way, but also we need to be aware that that does happen. Uh, yes, Pat? Well, Herod was not an Israelite. He was an Edomite. Edomite. So I don't know who others that Rome had appointed that might not be Israelites. There may be a lot, but um, definitely Herod was not. Yes. Man. Back to your point about it's unclear whether Herod, what his views were. Obviously, he wasn't right. Israelite, like you're saying, so he doesn't necessarily have that heritage of the Old Testament. But but in uh, Acts 26, 27, where Paul is having that whole trial, there's a different Herod. There's Herod Agrippa. We're talking about Herod the Great here. Yes. Matthew 2, but Herod Agrippa, uh, Paul asks him somewhat rhetorically, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And it, and it doesn't like, he doesn't argue and say, no, actually, I don't believe. You know, he just says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to become a Christian right now. So, so whether, now I, I get confused on, is that Herod the great son, a grandson? I get confused about that, but they're all kind of the same family. So Yeah, my understanding is he's part of that family, but I did not see specifically his relationship to um, to Herod the Great, because this one, the one we're talking about right now, is like you're saying, it's Herod the Great. Um, I was going to see if I could find that real fast. So that was twenty-seven. Uh, Acts twenty-six twenty-seven. Oh, I got it backwards. Twenty-six twenty-seven. Thank you. So yeah, so here you know, Paul of course is. Basically being held, um, but yeah, and what Matt is talking about is King Agrippa. He was a Herod in the Herod family as well, right? And he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. You know, and Agrippa replies to Paul, you know, and says, in a short time, you will persuade me to be a Christian. Well, he doesn't, but nonetheless, uh, he does He does have certain beliefs, though. Yes, Judy, did you have something? Yes. Yes. Uh, Herod is is from Esau's lineage, right? Yeah, that's he's an Edomite from that. So, and Rome, we have to remember that Rome installed him, right? I mean, Rome—they're under Roman occupation, so that's that's the kind of thing that's occurring. Um, let's see. Okay. One last thing on, on Herod, though, and his belief or unbelief, even if he did believe, did he actually think he was going to be able to thwart God's plan? That was just a thought I had. I mean, that that's the kind of thinking that I think people have sometimes, that they can make their own plan. Um, Addie and then Kim. I was just going to say, they thought that they could stop God's plan whenever they crucified Jesus. Right. So, yeah. That was Satan's thought, right? He thought he could crucified Jesus and put an end to God's plan and didn't work at all. But yeah, yes. Herod, because he was a king and he had power, he had arrogance and thought, well, 
Yes, that, that's true. He was arrogant. And he was, he's in charge. He thinks he can just do what he wants and he will have the final say, right? Sometimes we may even think that in our own lives, but uh, God always has the final say, right? So, does anybody have anything else on that before we move? Yes, Matt. So on that topic, um, kind of like what Addie was saying, First Corinthians 2, verse 7, where it kind of talks about this idea of uh, God's plan was a mystery, and so people who did God's plan didn't even realize they were doing it. So First Corinthians 2, 7, But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the wisdom which was hidden, which was predestined before the ages of, of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age, and then you can debate what that means, we're talking like, Pilot, or are we talking like, you know, the demons or whatever we're talking about? The rulers of this age didn't understand. If they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But they did, and it actually was God's plan. Right, right. So, so Matt's talking about 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and verses 7. Well, I'm just going to read a couple of these verses starting at 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But of course, you know, God's plan is what came about regardless. But because if Satan, you know, if you think about it, if Satan had understood what he was going to contribute to, I'll call it that, he's contributing to God's plan without knowing it. He wouldn't have done it, right? Because we wouldn't want to work against ourselves. So the same the same applies there. Does anybody have anything else on that? All right. So if we go to our next uh, section of verses, we're going to look at going to look at verses uh, nineteen through twenty three. Now, when Herod was dead. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that, let's see, Archelaus, Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So, just as a historical thing, if you... I have it down as a question. Does anybody know the year that Herod died, according to the time as best we know? Okay, 4 B.C., 4 B.C., right? So that's that was what I had found from what they believe. So Jesus was actually born before 4 B.C., you know, at least a few years. Not exactly sure. There's not an exact timeline given here. But this is all based on the writings of the Jewish historian Josephus. This this little bit of time that I'm mentioning here, and it's believed that the ancient calculations 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 um, are actually off a few years because they didn't take into account Josephus Josephus's writings. So that's why if our calendar seems a little off on where 
the, the zero year, if you think of it that way, falls or one BC and one AD. That's, that's kind of why, you know. So just, I just wanted to mention that, you know, uh, one question, how long were they in Egypt? We don't know, do we? Doesn't say, doesn't say exactly. So we're not exactly sure how old the Lord is at this point. How, how old is Jesus at this point? We don't know. So if we look at question seven, what prompted Joseph and his family to return? Oh, the death of Herod, right, the death of Herod. An angel comes to Joseph and says, look, Herod's dead. You know, uh, you can return to Israel. So notice that the Lord sends his angel to Joseph in a dream. This seems to be a, a, a theme maybe, or however this is again with Joseph. He's sending an angel to him in a dream. And this is not to take away from uh, Mary or anything, but just showing that Joseph was, you know, a faithful person in touch with God, willing to respond to what God was telling him. So, um, let's see. Why to Galilee? That's, well, n no, it's not, it's not because that's where he's from. But if you look, well, first of all, if you'll notice here, I drew a, an ugly red arrow. Up from Egypt is from like down. Egypt off of this map is down that way, right? And he, they're coming up. So the first place they're coming into is Judea, coming up from Egypt. And uh, he decides, right, that uh, since uh, hearing that Herod's son, Archelaus, I kind of have problems with that, but I'll try to say that correctly, hearing that he was in charge of uh, Judea, they turned aside to Galilee. Now, I, I would have said they just gone on up to Galilee, but however, however you look at it, if you look at Nazareth, I put a I put another little red star up around that, up at the top of the map, if you see that. I'm hoping those are sufficient that you can see it. Um, so that's where they, they end up traveling up to, right? Now, whether I'm assuming they went around Samaria, but I don't really know how they how they did that. I'm just, that was just, that was something that was a common practice, but um, let's see. So what was wrong, if anybody knows, what's wrong with Herod's son? Why Why would he be worried about Archelaus? Like father, like son. Like father, like son. That's not a bad answer because he started his rule by killing like 3,000 of the most influential influential people in Judea. So, yeah, you, you probably don't want to be under this guy's rule, right? So, so they headed on up. Because I think the original intent, if you remember, they were living in Bethlehem, was probably to return to Bethlehem. Now, I don't know that. It doesn't say that. But that implication is kind of there because they're coming back, and he's like, oh, wait, we're not going to stay here. We're going to go elsewhere. It is close to Jerusalem. Too close in this case. Yes, 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 Shirley. Well, in your verse 22, it, it states that Joseph was warned in a dream again about not proceeding, but to go to Galilee. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, and I did not, I did not say that correctly. And being warned by God in a dream, 
Okay, when he heard Archelaus was reigning, he was afraid to go there, right? He was afraid to go to Judea and being warned. By, so there's two things. Not only did he hear that and he was worried, but God warned him in a dream again, and he went to Galilee. So thank you for pointing that out. I didn't point that part out. So, so there's two factors of that. But he knew Archelaus was not a good a good person. So, and again, like Addie says, like. Father, like son, yes, Rachel. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Mary was from Nazareth. Yes, now Mary is from Nazareth. So it, it makes sense if you couldn't go back to Bethlehem, if you're assuming that's Joseph's home, which is kind of the way they made it sound, but but we're not 100% sure. Uh, but even so, going back to Nazareth made sense because they would have family there, they would have a reason, and Mary would have a history there that would make sense. So, uh, let's see. All right, so, is this, this is just so you have a clean map to look at. And I, I have, okay, I wanted to point out a couple of things. When Herod died, he split the kingdom up where he was ruling with his three sons. And Archelaus was one, and he ruled... Judea and Samaria and Idumea. Well, anyway, so Archelaus was basically ruling Judea and Idumea and Samaria up here. So he had this big part, right? Um, Antipas, or Antipas, however you say that. I'll just call him Anti. Anti had Galilee, and he somehow swooped down here to Perea, down here. So he had a weird l-shaped region that he ruled and then philip the third son philip was ruling territories north and east of the jordan outside of israel so he would be like up that way somewhere right so he wouldn't quite show on this map he would be up and out of out of the picture so philip was not really a big factor um but just so you understand there was this whole big area that herod was in charge of and he split it between his three sons so I just wanted, uh, I was hoping that would be helpful to us to understand that there's different rulers there. And that's why God would have pointed them to Galilee to at least a better ruler. Maybe not, you know, but better. Um, so if we look at question eight, where did the family settle? Nazareth, right? Yeah. So we kind of answered that, but but that's okay. Now, then there is... What prophecy did that fulfill? Isaiah 11.1. Right, actually, right. Yes, thank you. Okay, so he shall be called a Nazarene. And some, some things will say, well, there's no specific prophecy of that. And there kind of isn't, and there kind of is. It all depends on translation and how you look at this. In Isaiah 11.1, like Pat mentioned, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And there's a word, a Hebrew word here, Nazar, which means a sprout or a shoot. And Nazareth is supposed to be like based out of that word, the, you know. So, or at least that's the idea. However, it can also mean watchtower. But nonetheless, from a language standpoint, they believe that's possibly where 
that has a connection. Yes, Shirley? I had Isaiah 11, 1, but I also had yes. Isaiah 53, 2. 53, 2. Let me look at that. Cause... And it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form for commonness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And Isaiah is speaking of Jesus. Yes, that is definitely speaking about Jesus. Let me find that real fast here. That in itself is a prophecy also. Yeah, and that is a whole, that contains a whole lot more. 53.2, you say? Did I get that? Yeah. So Isaiah 50, 53, verse 2, For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. And it continues, he was despised and forsaken, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish any of that. I'm just saying this is definitely about Jesus and how he's mentioned there is this, this uh, tender shoot. And that's the idea of, of the sprout or the, the shoot, the uh, branch. Right. So now, according to a concordance I looked at, and you may have found one of the other some of the other times this this word Nazar like this is only used like four times, once in Daniel and three times in Isaiah, one being 11, chapter 11, verse one. And this may be the, one of the other times I did not write all of them down. So but there's three other times that's used. So so it's not used a lot, but. And other times when they mention branch and stuff, they're using a different Hebrew word, which would was nothing like this would not be related. So, yes, Pat. Yes, it's a it's a masculine noun. A, a lot of you know a lot of languages. That's where. Okay, very briefly. That's where the idea of gender comes from, is language, not from people. People, animals, have sex. Gender was what they used for languages, especially in the Romantic languages. Some things would be masculine, some things would be feminine. Spanish is heavily based with that idea, and that's why I can't think of a good example right now, but the male and female names of things will just have a slightly different ending, that sort of thing, because they're gendered pronouns. Yes. <laughs> oh, like Juan or Juana. Okay. But yeah, just a number of different things like that. So that's where the idea of, and we won't, we won't go any further into that, but just to, just to admit that that's where the idea of gender comes from. It really had nothing to do with people in that sense, except for it was representing sex, which is the same as it's always been for thousands of years. So does anybody have anything else on that before we move on? Yes, Rachel. Um, I just, I guess I'm confused about why it says that he would be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So Isaiah 11 doesn't mention the word Nazarene. Right. The, the word for branch, I'm sorry, I did not, maybe I didn't make that clear. The word for branch, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The word for that is the Hebrew word Nazar. And the definition of that is a sprout or a shoot. And Nazareth, that, that word Nazareth is supposed to be formed from that. It's like that base word is Nazareth for Nazareth. 
So it's if if you want to say it's a stretch, that's fine. But I mean, that's that's what I could find on that. Yes, ma'am. I guess I'd say it's a wordplay. Yeah, so there's things. a lot of word plays. It's consistent yes. with like Moses, yeah. and it talks about because he was drawn out of the water, and it's not it's not that Moses means drawn out of the water; it's just it sounds the same. And so there's lots of names that are right, like, right, and it could just simply be just that simple. It's just a sort of a word play thing, but that the the basis of the name for Nazareth was supposed to be that, and and again, supposed to mean sprout branch or. But also, it can mean watchtower, which is a little incongruous to our idea, I guess, or not compatible. But, but a lot of words have different meanings, so I wouldn't worry about that too much. So if we continue, oh, that is actually, okay, that is the end of chapter 2. But before we get into chapter 3, because Matthew's going to jump. He's going to jump straight to uh, Jesus is going to be an adult. We're going to meet John the Baptist, all of that, right? So before we get into that, before we move into that, I just you know, want us to pause and consider a few things. So like, you know, when we look at the people that we've read about that are involved in Jesus' life right here, you know, what do, what do we think or how do we uh, relate to these people and their situation if we... Like if we look at Mary. Now Mary's being very faithful, but she's taking a risk, right, for following God. She's taking a real risk. She could be shamed and kind of excommunicated, or she could even be stoned for an unwed pregnancy, right? Her life is being changed and going in a direction that I'm sure she did not plan. Right? God is changing her life. She still follows God. So we have to, you know, we have to think about that and apply that to ourselves. You know, are we doing this? Would we be willing to do this? Are we willing to do this? Have God change our lives and take us in a direction that we don't plan? Because that's hard for us to do. I like to be in control. <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's, that's the way it is. Joseph, too, same, very similar, faithful, willing. He even changes his mind and follows God's plan because you remember his first thought was to put Mary away, but he wasn't rash about it, and then he changed his mind and followed what God wanted, what God told him. Um, he's also in some jeopardy of, you know, protecting and hiding Jesus. I mean, Herod was willing to kill people, so they're both in jeopardy there. And again, he's not directing his own life. You'll notice, just like Shirley mentioned even, um, he's got God and angels appearing in his dreams telling him what to do. And he's not in control of his own life at that point. But he's still following God, right? And so, you know, could we handle that responsibility? Can we handle that? Can we do that? Can we read the Bible and apply that to our lives in such a way that we're not doing what we want to do, but we're following God? And then the people of Israel, if we look at them, and you can look at this and kind of apply this to us and our society and everything in general, they seem largely unaware and out of touch. And, and I mean out of touch with God and unaware of what's going on, that Jesus, the Messiah, is actually coming. So when they hear, they seem troubled in selfish ways, you know, and... 
the the thing there I think is do we examine ourselves? Do we do we stay in touch with God and His Word so that we're in touch with that with Him instead of being in touch maybe with all the bad things in society? And then the wise men. Now the wise men they're Gentiles. They're not even a part of Israel, but they seem to have an understanding that some of the people in Israel don't seem to have, right? Right. At least the wise men understood the prophecies, and they, they, and one of the things I had was, you know, they've been aware of this, and they've been watching for this for how long? And then you think, well, why weren't the Israelites? Why weren't they really watching for this? Why didn't they realize? And like you said, they didn't want an, they didn't want a spiritual kingdom anyway, and they still don't. They want an earthly kingdom, right? That's what they're still expecting today as far as the people who still really follow like Orthodox Judaism. They're still expecting a political king to arise and restore them and put them in the proper place. And him then surely, yep. Right. Right. They're they're crying for the Messiah to come, but he's already come and they they didn't recognize him. They didn't see him. And that is sad. Yes, Shirley? Um just a just a general question here. Yes. Um Joseph. Mary and Joseph. Yes. We don't seem to read any more about Joseph after the birth of Jesus. Am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, um I, I believe I believe that is correct. Once they settle in Nazareth, the most we hear about, and I'll get to y'all just a second. The most we seem to read about is that Jesus was the carpenter's son, was Joseph's son, right? That's the that we don't really hear or see much about uh, anything. I'll just say anything about Joseph after that, and there is a consensus or a thought from a lot of people that he died at some point. I don't know. The Bible does not say, so I do not care to. But I am correct in thinking that, right? Yeah, I don't, I can't think. If, does anybody know of any other time? Let, okay, let's just start here. Okay, Eddie? Well, I think whenever they went back to uh, once a year to worship yes. in Jerusalem, it indicates that Joseph was with them then. Right. That's still, Jesus was still a child, right? So, yes. That's right. So there is that mention of when they went to the temple. Pat? Yes. Yes, he is. Right, right. So Joseph was alive for some time. We don't really hear a lot about him, though, after this. Did you have something too? Right. 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 So that's right. See, that's right. In Luke's, that's in Luke's account, right? Am I remembering correctly? So in Luke's account, we know that at least when Jesus was 12 and Joseph and Mary were bringing him to Jerusalem for, uh, which, which, which event was that? Do y'all remember? 
Passover? Was it Passover? Well, okay. So anyway, um, that Joseph was alive then, and like like Pat also referred to, he's known as the carpenter's son. Joseph, you know, Joseph was his was known to be his father by people. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So he definitely was alive for some time. We just don't know how long or how long that might have been. We it. The way the Gospels read later in, jo- in Jesus' life, in his ministry, it sounds like Joseph is not in the picture at that time. But then Jesus is like about 30 when he gets baptized. So that, that doesn't really give us a big clue as to anything there. Does anybody have anything else on that before I was going to move forward? Okay. All right, so... Am I, have I run us way over? Well, we are out of time, though. I'll tell you what, we'll pick up here next week. I want us to look at a few things before we jump into chapter 3, because that's, uh, that's a big change. So we'll pick up from here uh, next week. Thank you for your time, your attention.